Doesn't matter. You just pull up some random stranger on Facebook. You're like, here's my hot brother. What? I did not say here's my hot brother. Disturbing. Listen, this is your mom writes books. I'm Caitlin McFarland. I'm Charlie Ann Holmberg. And one of us has allergies. (laughs) It might be me. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Good morning, springtime. (laughs) No, no. It's either allergies or the cold that just won't die. I can't decide. Mm. Let's call it both. (laughs) We're here again. Look, we made it back for a second time. Aren't, Hello. Aren't you proud of us? Are we still salty today? Probably a little bit. Uh, always. Maybe more drugged than salty. I haven't taken anything. This is my <laughs> natural state of being. <laughs> <laughs> this is freaking, it's daylight savings time, which oh my by gosh. the time this gets posted will have been a long time ago and maybe for the last time ever. I still haven't adjusted. Me either. I am going to bed at 11 every night, which for most of you, it's like, yeah, but listen, that's very late for me. <laughs> I've been going to bed slightly earlier lately, and so I didn't go to bed till like 1.30 last night, so I'm just like, Meh. And we wonder why she's sick. Yeah, I said it was late for me. I said I've been going to bed earlier. I know, that's why you're sick today. No, I've been sick for two weeks. I hear your cat. Oh, he's outside the door. <laughs> he's not in here. <laughs> Get out of here, Diego. Anyways, we're here today to speak with you about. Look, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about toxic positivity. <laughs> In a roundabout way, as it applies to publishing, we're gonna talk about toxic positivity and essentially the mentality that if you work hard enough, you will achieve your dreams. Yes, and I, for those of you who don't know, I am looking up a definition of toxic positivity to tell to you. Okay. It's the belief that no matter how dire or difficult a situation is, people should maintain a positive mindset. And we're going to apply that to publishing in this sense that like, look, it's me. I am the saltiest one here. (laughs) I have a problem whenever I see anybody who's like, you know, you see these people who've been trying to publish for ever and they're it's like they're beating their head against a brick wall and you have other people who are like you can do it just keep going next time next time you can do it it's gonna happen for you if you just keep working hard enough do you know who believes that that if you just work hard enough anybody can make it um people who have already made it they're the people who believe that it's true i mean i will say that when i was trying to break in that was 100 my mentality i'm like well the American dream, right? If I keep working, I keep working, I'll get in. And I 100% believe that. And I did get in. And so for me, it was true. But Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, I'm going to be honest, a lot of publishing and a lot of success in publishing is luck based. Not 100%. It's not all marketing. It's not all talent. And it's not all luck. But all three of those are huge components of it. Absolutely. Yes, listen, to get into college, they looked at three things. They looked at my ACT score, my extracurriculars, and my GPA. And without one of the third, like the big slices of that pie, I could not have gotten into college. And my cold adult mind or allergy adult mind is now relating that to this, where you have to have 
a certain threshold of talent, I believe, you have to have you have to have good timing. Mm, timing, yeah. And luck, right? And what was it? Marketing. Marketing once once you're published, marketing is is success is based on marketing almost entirely. Yeah, and marketing is based on how much money you're willing to spend on it. It's just like you can buy anything, including yeah. success. Um, and then what was the third thing you said? Did you say a third thing? So it was luck, it was marketing, and it was talent. Ah, yes. So consider those as uh, high school Caitlin considered her college application. Yeah. And and timing, timing I would put in with luck, definitely. Yes. Because, you know, if you wrote a vampire book, you know, in 1995 versus a vampire book in 2021, like they're going to do different things to the market. They're going to have different levels of success, even if they're the exact same book. You didn't know that you should have been writing vampire books in 2000. Yes, hindsight is 2020. So... <laughs> Yes. So yeah, we're going to talk about that stuff. And then I don't want to be a downer. Like we are just going to talk kind of candidly with you guys, because here's the thing too. Charlie and I are looking at this from two very different perspectives as writers. Charlie is on the very successful end of like authorship, right? Like, yeah, it like the, if you keep working hard, you'll succeed 100% worked out for me. Yes. And Charlie is, and what I'm going to call like, I guess successful or whatever is if your dream is to completely support yourself as an author financially. Yes. Charlie's doing that and she's doing it well. And I am on the end where it's like I did break in. I was traditionally published. I am still agented. But for me, it was like a lot of factors, mostly the fact that I never really got to the point where I was able to write anymore, which is something that can happen even if you don't think it's going to happen to you because I didn't think it was going to happen to me. I was like, no, I'm not one of those, but I am. Anyways, because of all that stuff, I'm on this side of it. But yeah, we're going to talk about how like, I don't know, it's not because I didn't work hard and it's not because I didn't want it, you know, because mm -hmm. that's I think for me, that's what I find difficult is when I hear people say that they're like, oh, if you just if you just want it, like I wanted it so bad and that's why I did it. And I'm just looking at them like you don't want it more than I do. You don't want it more than the person who's like cries every time they get a rejection when they've been trying to get published and this is their eighth book that they're you know submitting like you don't want it more than those people and you don't work harder than them and so that's kind of where this episode comes from is my me being salty again yeah. um <laughs> No, that's a really good point though because there are some people who publish their first or second book and there are people like me I was my ninth book I think Brandon Sanderson was on his 14th when he when he sold his sixth and it's like, does that mean that, like, we'll take Caitlin Sangster, who is a phenomenal writer and very sweet. We're not putting her in a bad light at all. She, but she sold her first book. Did Caitlin Sangster want it more than me? And did I want it more than Brandon Sanderson? Right. And well, and to put that in perspective too, you guys, I sold my first book and look where I am today. <laughs> Nowhere. You just wanted it more than me, Caitlin. I just wanted it more, but I didn't, that's the thing. You had to spite your brother. <laughs> I did have to spite. I did it, Jordan. What now? Um, not Charlie's husband, Jordan, my brother, Jordan. For those of you who don't know, he used to bug me every single day and be like, did you write your book today? And I'd be like, get out of here, Jordan. Anyways. <laughs> okay. So we're talking about, <laughs> we're talking about the mentality that if you work hard, you'll succeed. And what I, we can say is that the opposite, that if you don't work, you won't make it is true. Yeah. But these aren't, I would say, conclusive opposites that if you work hard, you'll succeed. If you work hard, you are more likely to succeed, I would say, is a good truth. 
but it's nothing is guaranteed. You could be working your freaking butt off, but you write really like niche books and nobody wants to pick them up or you can work your butt off and then your house burns down and you have no money to market them. Like mm-hmm. there are definitely like saying, if you work hard, you'll succeed is a mentality. It's almost like a privileged mentality because it doesn't take in outside circumstances. So when, when me and Caitlin, we were originally talking about this on the phone, I was saying, really, we talked about how money is fake, (laughs) but really (laughs) it doesn't make sense because I feel like I drive down the highway and I see these construction crews in a snowstorm working on the road. And in my head, I'm like, well, they're working harder than me, Mm -hmm. you know, but I, I probably make more money than them. So why is that fair? And that's when we're like, money is fake. And it's, you know, we get our paychecks. We don't see money. We just see numbers in our bank. It's arbitrary. (laughs) It's arbitrary. you're we're about i'm about to out myself it's fine uh we money is fake it's something that we're given for something a job that was assigned an arbitrary value by society anyways there you go (sighs) conspiracy theories by your mom writes books it's not a conspiracy it's how it is um (laughs) so anyways so when we say work hard what do we mean like where where should we be working hard how should we be working hard oh this is what i was gonna say I was going to say, um, oh, yeah, you have to, as far as the privilege thing, that's what, because you were saying it's like a privilege to be able to do this, which it is. When I was writing the first time, I was a stay-at-home mom being supported by my husband. I mean, I was still the mother of three children, so, like, don't get me wrong, but I did have flexible time. And a lot of people who are like, if you're feeling bad about yourself, you're like, oh, I just can never finish anything, blah, blah, blah. Are you somebody who can't take time off work? Are you somebody, you know, who has like mental health blocks? Are you somebody who has all these things? I don't know. Yeah. Finishing books sometimes is a privilege in and of itself just because of your own life circumstances. Yeah. You know, and you have the person who's working two or three jobs just to make ends meet. When are they going to have time to write? Or when you're doing something like that, you're just burnt out and you don't have the creative energy, even if you had the time. Yes. You're just exhausted, which is also totally something that is valid yeah and it takes some people two years to write a book or three years i mean it took token what 20 <laughs> granted yeah uh, it paid off for him <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah and so there's just these these ex- extenuating is that the word i want you know i'm bad with usage uh, extenuating is that a word extenuating is the word you're looking that one. for yeah circumstances uh this shows that writers need editors um no really one of the number one things i get edited on is i use words that sound like the word i want but it's not the word i want oh we know so yeah let's talk about like so where do you direct your efforts because we 100 have friends mm-hmm. who work hard enough who are not getting in and it's like why and i know we have a couple of friends who just revise 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 yes right versus starting new project starting new project starting new project where i feel like i was the latter I would, I would revise, you know, a certain amount, like three-fourths of a cup revision. Mm-hmm. And then if I didn't think it was good enough, I would just start a new project. Like, I wasn't willing to put in work to do more revisions. I would just start a new project. Whereas other people would rather take the recipe they already have, since we're going with this three-fourths of a cup thing, <laughs> and just keep tweaking it until they can make just the right loaf of bread. Yeah. I would say that you're considering publishing as an industry and not as an art form okay so we're talking about sheer like do you want to make money as an author 
you know, that is what, when I look at like goals or whatever, that's, that's the goal, right? Is to support yourself as an author. If you want to, if your goal is that and not to create the most perfect book of all time, you need to start new projects instead of revising and revising and revising. Because if no one has picked up your project, then you just, because it's such a, it's such a, like an easy way to get sucked in, Mm -hmm. right? Is to just get stuck on one project, get sucked in and to stagnate. That's not to say that, you know, I think it took um, Sabata here like six years to write An Ember in the Ashes, which is like such a great book. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I could be wrong. Look, you guys don't quote me. Sometimes I make things up. But I think it took her a while to write that. And so obviously it can pay off. But I, my general rule of thumb would be like, do not spend more than like a couple of years on one project. Yeah, I would agree. And I think this is a good place. I don't think we've talked about this where... We have, so we'll, again, we're going to frame success as you're able to make a living off your writing. So you have a spectrum. On one end of the spectrum, you have what I'm going to call the Ikea authors. On the other end of the spectrum, I'm going to say the museum authors. And there's people all in between, okay? You don't have to be one or the other mm-hmm. precisely. So what I mean by this is the Ikea authors are all about content creation. A lot of these are indie authors because they can control the speed in which they publish. Right. Because traditional publishing won't let you publish as fast as they can produce a book. Yeah. No. So I'm a traditionally published and I publish two books a year. That is very fast for traditional publishing. Usually Mm -hmm. it's one book a year. I think Jeff Wheeler, who has my same publisher, has been able to do three in a year. I've been able to do three in a year a couple times. Um, And that's super, super fast. But you have these indie authors who are publishing two to five books a year, plus Elena Johnson, who publishes 20 million. (laughs) She publishes a book every day. (laughs) That's not true. But she's very, she's very good at putting out books. Yeah. No, Elena Johnson is absolutely the pinnacle, I feel like, of IKEA authors, where IKEA authors are, they're pumping out tons of content. They are often romance writers just because romance readers are so voracious and romance does the best indie published. And they write to market. So when vampires are in, they are able to sit down, write a book in one to three months about vampires and get it on the digital shelf before vamp- the vampire trend has ended. So they are able to ride that market trend. They're able to go from concept to product in like less than six months. Less than six months is what I would say. Because I would say you have to do at least two a year if you're an Ikea author. So, and also I want to say like, I'm saying Ikea author because I'm thinking big box store. A lot of times these are very formulaic. They're able to like put out a ton of different things Mm -hmm. all at once. Okay. I'm not saying Ikea, like this is what your divorced dad and your college students buy. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm not, I'm not at all making um, any, any claims about quality. I'm just saying like, bam, 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 bam. Here it is. Like, and a lot of these people do follow very formulaic things because they're readers. And again, most of the time this is in romance. They want a very specific formula. Romance, I would dare say, is the most formulaic genre there is. And everybody, we want we want a certain formula. Some of us want it in balsa wood and some of us want it in pine. <laughs> but, you know, there's a very specific formula to content creating and being really, really successful on this end of the spectrum. So that's what I mean by that. And then you go all the way up to the other side to what I'm calling museum authors. And these are the people... Think of a painter who spent 
an amazing amount of time on this big mural that they're like carefully hand painting each individual blade of grass and all the shading and they have to wait for it to dry and then they come back and add in the next layer to create this masterpiece that may take years to make and then it goes into the museum and and it and it sells at a very high price. So this is a unicorn. It sells at a very high price and they are able to live off of that. So J.R.R. Tolkien is very much a museum um, writer. Right. Okay? Um, you have people like Brandon Sanderson, who I think are pretty close to the middle. <laughs> Brandon is. Brandon breaks the spectrum. <laughs> no, I no. Brandon is definitely in the middle. I But he's so fast that you have to put him closer to the Ikea side. You have to. If we're talking about, yeah. Yeah. Because like. Because, well, Brandon, Brandon works in such a way that he makes these big murals that are being put in these museums very regularly. And then on the side, he's like, here's my $30 million Kickstarter for, for these self-published books. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about that. Now, I think that here's what I think that, like, because if we are going to say that Ikea, that being an Ikea author, because we don't want to say that that's any kind of people are going to hear that and be like, well, Ikea, that's a judgment on a quality. It's not, which is why you can say Brandon is more of an Ikea author. If it's not a judgment on quality, he can go towards that end of the spectrum without that big of a deal. He obviously has – because here's what I would say. They have a system in place or a structure that they follow that allows them to quickly build stories. And whatever – I don't know what Brandon's system is, but he – whatever he does, he does have a system in place that allows him – and maybe it's just his brain. (laughs) Yeah, I think that is what it is. Yeah, and it just allows him to quickly build a story – and he has, he, but he also, you know, he does his like, he has a specific set of steps that he goes through also whenever he's writing to do it. The thing is, I feel like Brandon's success isn't so, he does write, he is very prolific, but I feel like his success is not so much the volume of what he's producing, but the volume of fans that he has. Yeah. Look, and we actually, we do want to, we want to talk about Brandon and his Kickstarter, but that might be, that might be its own episode with its own. <laughs> Because there's a lot spinning out of that right now, too. So Yeah. And by the time this goes up, I mean, it's going to be over. Oh, it'll, I think it's still relevant, though. But another, another topic, maybe, for later or another podcast. Yeah. Another, another day. Um, I mean, all, all, yeah, what we mean is, like, there are people who can, who can just kind of spit out books and people who take their time to create a work of art. And there's no... Look, I am in a place in my life right now. I'm writing for an app. I am producing content. The thing to be said about content creators versus art artists, like authors, is that the content creators, I'm going to be honest with you guys, the content creators are the ones who are taking home the paychecks more often than the artists. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. When you when you are catering to the people who have money and who want your product, like mm-hmm. obviously it's supply and demand. Like they're the ones getting paid. Yeah. You are supplying the demand. <laughs> there are so many people who who make these you know, museum masterpieces and they hang them up in the museum and then they don't get purchased, right? Or people might not appreciate them the way that they're meant to be appreciated. And then obviously you have like a spectrum, right? So I would say that I'm 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 close to the middle of this as well, where I am I'm known as a prolific author, but I am not banging it out like Elena Johnson, and I never could. Like what she does is freaking phenomenal and if you guys are interested in publishing in that manner she actually does offer tons of classes on this so definitely look up elena johnson e-l-a-n-a johnson um but i definitely 
I, I, I don't spend a million years on my books. I get, I get tired of them. I get sick of them. I, I can't be a true museum artist. And I would say that the museum authors are the ones who have only published, the pure museum ones, have only published a small number of books, but those small number of books are incredibly successful. So uh, Patrick Rothfuss is a museum author. So if this is what I'd say, they're not always successful. We just haven't heard of the ones who aren't. Because if you're if you're this kind of person, I would not take that as the longer I spend on a book, the more successful I'm going to be. And if That's I spend true. 20 years, what is most likely to happen is that you spend, say, five or six years even is, is a long time to spend on a single book. If you think that this is going to be something that you support your life with, the reality is you need to look at it as a job and you need to be producing and you need to be, you know, if you don't have output, what do you think you're making money on? Because what's going to, what's most likely to happen is you spend five, six years, 10 years working on a book, you go to sell it, you do sell it. Here's a $10,000 advance for your 10 years of work. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Well, and there are so, we have to also consider there are, uh, blah, blah, sorry, my speech impediments having a hard time with this sentence. There are <laughs> authors <laughs> who it is not their goal to do it as a living. And that is fine. Yes. If you just have the one book or the one series that is your heart child, work on it, make it perfect. You're, you can put it out in the world or you don't have to. And that's it. You are not required to become a professional author. You're not required to keep doing it if what you have done makes you happy. Yeah. And I, I'm really glad you pointed that out because uh, that is definitely true. And we do know a couple of people who have perfectly good jobs, day jobs that they like and don't want to be full-time authors. And so they just write when they feel like it or they write as a hobby and they still publish. And that's great. I that's but yeah, like we're kind of specifically talking about the people whose dream it is to support themselves as an author who are like having a hard time breaking in or haven't been able to break in. Who are trying year after year, book after book and can't break in. Right. And that's an and, you know, coming back to that. And that's, again, like you said, the people who say that usually are the people who have made it, right? And so I think we do have to address this idea of applying your personal narrative to another person. Yes. I feel like I was listening to this podcast the other day. It was called Shame to Sparkle. And they were talking about how they experienced trauma in their life and they will have people comment on this podcast and say, that didn't really happen to you. You're lying, blah, 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 and how absolutely awful it is. And I think a lot of this comes down to personal narrative where either something like that has never happened to that person or anyone close to them. Therefore, it does not exist. And I think that's why a lot of people have a hard time with, had a hard time with the Me Too movement because they're like, well, I've never been sexually harassed therefore sexual harassment doesn't exist and i also think that i mean in this case i think it's also people don't want to live in a world where stuff like that exists so they just absolutely deny it but Mm -hmm. so my personal narrative like we said i worked hard i kept trying i succeeded therefore in my personal narrative anybody who does what i did will succeed right but that is not that is not a truth that's not a that's not factual no And yeah, I mean, like, I don't want to be a downer, you guys, but I do feel responsibility, to be honest. Um, Right. That's why we talk about this stuff. And that's what but yeah, I can't when I go to writing conferences, and you have these professionals who have made it and they're telling all of these amateur writers that if they just wanted enough, and they dream hard enough, and they work 
hard enough that they too can be where the successful author is. It's just not true. It's just not going to be true for everybody. We can't, if we, if that was true for everybody, there would be a bazillion successful authors right now. Well, everybody would be in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Look, yeah. we'd all be rich. Okay. If you, if wanting to, if wanting success was enough to succeed, we'd all be rich. <laughs> There's a really interesting video by Mike Rowe. And I think if you just go to YouTube, that's his name, right? The guy who does the dirty jobs. Yeah. Mike Rowe Passion. I think if you if you search that, Mike Rowe Passion in YouTube, you'll find this video. And it's a really interesting video that Mike Rowe did where he talks about like how people say, like, follow your dreams, follow your passions, and how that is not always good advice. And he talks about one of the guys that he met on Dirty Jobs who I think he did sewage. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, why did you get into sewage? And he said, there was just an open, there was an opportunity to do it. Obviously, this guy didn't grow up thinking, you know what I want to do for a living? I want to deal with human waste. Sewage. <laughs> right? But he found an opportunity and he took the opportunity and I think ended up like owning and managing his own sewage company. And because he learned the skills and learned the business, it became his passion. Like he ended up becoming very passionate about his job where no kid is telling their teachers they want to grow up to be, to be in waste management. And it was just this really, like, I'm not doing it justice. I really do recommend watching this video. It's probably only five minutes long max, but it is about opportunity versus passion and how you can find joy, even if it's not your passion. Because I really do feel like most people, their passion is they want to be an influencer, or they want to be an actor or a singer or a writer, or one of these like these big jobs, you know, mm-hmm. these big showy jobs. Obviously, not everybody is an extrovert, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> and like you said, not everybody can can do that, or literally society stops to function, <laughs> stops functioning. Um, I really recommend watching that. So YouTube uh, micro passion. And I mean, so the title of this episode is Your Mom Works Hard Enough. And the whole point of the episode that I hope that we are kind of getting at, that you guys are getting, is that uh, if you're a writer and you are struggling, you do work hard enough. You are doing good enough. Just because you haven't found success doesn't mean that you aren't enough, right? So that's kind of... Absolutely. And I think also it depends on how you define success. Right. So I get, like we said, we're going to define it this way, but how do you define your personal success? So I asked myself this a few years ago. I'm like, well, what's my personal success? What can I control? Because I could be like, well, I want to have a movie deal in five years, but I can't control that. Right. And so for my personal motto for success is, um, have I progressed? Yeah. And it can be in any way. It's like, has my writing gotten better? Did I produce more? Did I make more money? Um, Are my concepts becoming more high concept? Whatever it is, if I can look back at my last year and see a way that I have progressed from the year before, I feel successful. I think that's really good. That is, okay, I've been watching a lot of TikTok. And there was a TikTok that was interesting, and it was actually this woman talking about boundaries and how when you set boundaries, if you don't set them on yourself, if you try to set boundaries on other people, then they can constantly violate your boundaries. But your goals are kind of the same thing. And so I guess just to in support of what you said, yeah, you have to set a goal that you can control, right? That you are fully in control of. So if you want to measure success by like, I wrote, I wrote five out of the seven days last week. Yay go me. Like I wanted to do that this week, which for me, it has to just be week by week. I have to be flexible because whatever, that's me. But um, yeah, support. Yeah. 
And like on that, it's, I want to say it's okay to relax your hold on your dreams for mental health. Yes. Mental health is a huge thing. When people ask me about writer's block, I honestly think writer's block comes from two things. Either your story isn't exciting you anymore, or you have like a mental health barrier, right? So I'm going to tell you guys right now, I haven't written in three months. Um, That's the longest I have ever gone without drafting ever (laughs) since I started writing because Charlie has on a mental health break. (laughs) Like, I mean, I don't totally know all the reasons, but I know part of the reason is I overdid it in 2021. I got super, super stressed out. I was originally going to publish five stories this year. It's now four, (laughs) but it was too much. And I had a bunch of PR stuff I had to do. And it was just too much, too much, too much, too much. And I kind of snapped. And I'm not better yet. (laughs) I I had to be like, I have to take a break. Like I'm not being prolific right now. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm being super productive right now, but I feel like this is a break that I absolutely have to take for as long as I possibly can, which will be the end of the month because I have edits coming in. I mean, does that make me not successful? Am I failing now as an author? And I don't feel like I am. No. Um, Does it suck? Yeah. Like, you know, like, does it feel good? Absolutely not. Yeah. You know, I would really like to get back to where I was. But if you have mental health, anything, like if you're depressed, if you are dealing with grief of any kind, if you have, I mean, there's so many different kinds of mental health things. Yeah. Like, it's okay. It's okay to take a break. I give you permission. Right. And also when it comes to this particular uh, bullet point we have, which is it's okay to relax your hold on your dreams for your mental health. I also come at this as it's okay to let go of your dreams mm. if they are not making you happy. If you're not if you're not seeing progress, it's okay to be like, you know what, this is something that I wanted from the time I was young, but it's hurting me. Right, like trying to be an author is bringing me more pain than it is joy. And so either, you know, I'm just going to write for myself. I'm not going to try to get published anymore. Or I'm going to self-publish instead of, you know, beating my head against the wall of of traditional publishing, uh, you know, those kinds of things. Or I'm just going to kind of take a break from writing altogether and see, like, do I really want to write? Which I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It was in like 2017 or 18, which I was like, am I even a writer? I haven't really done anything do I want to keep defining myself this way do I just want to let go and head down a different career path you know and for me I did still come back to it but yeah I think that you just need to make sure that you're checking in with yourself every once in a while as far as your overall goals like if you want desperately to be traditionally published but it's not happening and it's hurting you that it keeps not happening like it's okay to, to not want that anymore, I guess, yeah. you know? Especially now, like, I genuinely think it's harder to get traditionally published right now. I think COVID is a small part of it, but the publishers, publishing, the publishing industry just, they're very, it's very stubborn. We now, we had, when I broke in less than 10 years ago, there were six major traditional publishers. There are now four. Mm-hmm. Like they are merging like crazy. Like, and it starts kind of feeling like a monopoly. People are, ex- I feel like, I feel like what I've heard is that people are just getting picked up a little bit less from the traditional like slush pile or they get really big pushes for they, their debuts and then they kind of get dropped off. Like it is harder right now. So it might not just be you. 
Right. It is. I genuinely think it is harder right now to break into traditional publishing than it was when I broke into traditional publishing or when Caitlin did, because we broke in, I think, within a year of each other. But I guess to balance that out, self-publishing is becoming more and more of an option. There's there's more like little roads and paths to go with self-publishing. The stigma is shaking off more and more and more as each year passes by. More people are finding success in self-publishing, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And so it's it's just weird. And like if there are places where traditional publishing needs to change, it's going to take a lot of time and work to get them to change that. I mean, can you remember they wouldn't do ebooks for the longest time? Yeah. I heard that JK Rowling actually owns a hundred percent of her ebook royalties because when she sold Harry Potter, they didn't think ebooks were gonna take off. Oh my gosh. Can you I I I'm not I don't know if that's gospel. I heard that recently. I think I heard that from Trisha actually. Um, but I heard it at um, Life, the Universe, and Everything conference this year. And that's crazy, right? So it might not just be you. It doesn't mean to, you need to give up, but it might not just be you. And if you have been shopping a book or querying a book and it's not getting in and you want to work on something else, it's okay to come back to that book a few years later and query it again. If you th- if it's still up to snuff, if it, you still love it, why not? And it's okay, like Caitlin said, to change course. Like if you're sailing for Hawaii, you know, go to Fiji instead. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Well, and that goes back to the thing that you said with, you know, opportunity and going into other things and finding other passions or like, you know, and maybe just doing writing as a hobby or just doing it for yourself or just look, you have to find the path that makes you happy and also gives you, you know, the practical life support uh, financially that you need. (laughs) So balance yeah and like I mean there's always like when um I go to career days or when people you know when people ask like how do I become an author I always tell people make it make it your number two because it's going to take you a while to break in and when you break in you don't know how much money you're going to make so find something else you're passionate about and study that in school so I as you know because I talk about it all the time I majored in English (laughs) because I thought that's what you had to do to be a writer but if I had to do it again it's like I would major in something else like if you like math major in accounting you can major in accounting and still write like mystery novels you know Mm mm-hmm Um, actually right now, if I had to go back to school, I think I would probably do like nutritional science or, or something like that. Cause I was just thinking, cause what you were saying, I'm like, okay, if I wasn't writing, if I had to give up writing, what would I want to do? Yeah. What's another passion I might have? And it's like, well, I loved editing for a while. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind getting into editing. Honestly, I've been thinking about in a few years getting certified to be a personal trainer. Oh, that's you know? cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, that's totally like a different path. And that's not something I ever would have wanted to do when I was 20. Right. But, you know, if if writing was, was no longer positive for me, like that's totally something that I would be able to do and I would be able to enjoy. And you know what? I might also just enjoy being a housewife and being, hey, Jordan, go back to work. Yeah. (laughs) Like those are options because it really is what what makes you feel feel fulfilled. Also, speech impediment sound for me. (laughs) Feel fulfilled. Yeah. Man, I don't even know what I'd be doing because I'm like, part of me is like, I could have gone into academics and just been an academic, but like, like, you know, in in linguistics in my field or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. But then part of me is like, no, 
No. She's like, I don't know what I would be doing. I'm spending all day today doing dice. That's what oh. she told me before we started recording. <laughs> yeah, I also do have that Etsy shop. I guess that I could have majored in business and like actually turned it my Etsy shop into like a real business. That would probably actually be the most practical thing. Yeah, and you would ha- and you'd have fun. I mean, it's not like it's never never going to be stressful. All work is stressful. Like I love my job, but it can be stressful. Absolutely. Uh, hello, I'm broken right now because it was stressful. <laughs> you know, but. There's there's still, like, satisfaction in it. Do you know what another part of me kind of wants to do? What? Run, like, a greenhouse. Isn't that random? Yeah? Uh, yeah. I like gardening. I could see it, though. Because you just have that, you have that, like, sad little farm girl locked away <laughs> deep in your soul. No, no, no. It's not a sad little farm girl. It's a forest witch. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um. Well, this kind of com- goes to uh, this other question that we wanted to pose to ourselves. Um. Would we still be writing if we hadn't broken in? Because now, okay, so for you and I, uh, you got agented in 2013, right? And I got agented in 2014. And so now, you know, almost a decade later, would we still be writing if we had never, like if we had never had really any sign of hope of being traditionally published, would we still be writing? Would you still be writing? Yeah. Um, That's a really good question to ask. I think I would be, but not nearly as seriously as I am now. So I started writing when I was 13. I got published when I was 25, right? So, I mean, that's a lot of time to write without getting in. But I remember by the time I got published, so Paper Magician was my ninth novel that I had completed. I had started many that I didn't finish. It was my ninth one that I had completed. And I remember by the time I got to Paper Magician... Um, when I started getting rejections, they actually started hurting. Because <laughs> before I was like, yeah, this book's not that great. <laughs> you know? I would query it and I'd be like, yeah, it's not that great. Or I wanted to earn my stack. By the time I got the Paper Magician, I felt like I had a pretty good stack going. And I felt like Paper Magician, it was the first time where I felt like I had a book that was publishable. You know, and so if that had been rejected, and then my next book had been rejected, 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 I, I think I probably would have slowed down. Um, I might have, I see, it's hard to know. Like, would I have eventually looked at self-publishing? Maybe. Would I still be trying to break in? Probably. But I I think that my prolificency. No, not a word, no. <laughs> that's a word I'm making up. It is now. Uh, Shakespeare can do it, so can I. I think it would definitely be down. Yeah. I would be much more of a hobby writer. Like, I maybe make doing a book every year. At most, I would say. Yeah. Which is still so much yeah. for some people. Yeah. Well, okay. When Charlie's not broken, she writes about four books a year. Um, yeah. I am starting now. We have had to really reevaluate ourselves these last three months. There are reasons why there has been such a big gap between season two and season three. But yes, I, I am going to try slowing down. I'm going to make myself slow down. I mean, right now I have to anyway. But if by some magical means I get my my fancy a spark back um i'm going to make myself slow down because like i wasn't i wasn't always writing four books a year because i felt like i had to it's because i wanted to honestly i never took breaks between books i remember brian mcclellan telling me that after he finishes a book he takes like months off and i was like are you kidding i could never do that (laughs) guess what i'm doing right now (laughs) i i think my publisher doesn't want to publish more than two books a year. So why write more than two books a year? You know, it's it's yeah. really hard for me. Like, I, like, like I said, it's hard to get into traditional publishing right now. I'm a best-selling author and I can't get into another publishing house. I've tried a couple times. It's hard. 
So if it makes you guys feel better or worse, I don't know. Maybe I, I shouldn't have said that. But it'd be nice to have eggs in other baskets. And this year I have contemporary novels coming out because I was like, why not use my time for this? And so I'm going to go indie there. But in general, like, I just want to write like high fantasy and historical fantasy. And so if I write four books a year, I'm going to bottleneck. And apparently after a while, it breaks my brain because this happened in 2019 too on a much smaller, 2019 as well, on a much smaller scale. Um, so I am just going to make myself slow down anyway. So I think, I think that's where I would have gone. What do you think for you? I think I probably, I would definitely not still be trying to publish. I'm a quitter. (laughs) (laughs) And that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. I think that if I'd had zero sign that what I was doing was ever going to get any traction, uh, like, because I kind of started writing to get published. I never just wrote for completely for myself, right? Like mm-hmm. I never wrote with this thing where it was just like, well, I just love this so much that I have to write these stories for myself. For me, it was always like potential to earn money, right? Which I don't know. I've just outed myself as not an artist. I'm sorry, you guys. But yeah, I think that I mean, I would, I may, I might write every once in a while, but I was never a writer before I made the conscious decision to be a writer, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think if I, it was something that I tried and it didn't work out, I would have put it down and walked away because like, listen, I did that all the time with sports as a child. I was like, no, I'm not athletic. Let's walk away from this quitter. So yeah, I mean, I honestly feel like I probably would have just been like, oh yeah, I tried that. It apparently wasn't for me. And then I would have moved on to the next thing until something stuck and I was successful at it because that's kind of what I did. Writing is something that stuck. And then for me, like sewing has been something that has stuck because it has also been an opportunity to help my family financially, which is what it comes down to for me because we've always been poor. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And like, we've said this once before, but we're going to say it again. You do not have to monetize your hobbies. (laughs) You don't. You totally don't. If you love writing for you, like kudos, that's not me. And I think my stuff is valid. And I think your stuff is valid. I see you. Yeah. Because that's what I feel like I would be doing. I feel like I'd be writing very casually and I would be sharing it with like my close friends and my family, Mm -hmm. you know, like, would I still be trying to be published? I almost want to say I'm stubborn enough that I would. But after 10 years of that, like, I don't know. I don't know if it would have broken my spirit or not. Yeah. And because we do, we can, we super, we know like a lot of people who have been trying for this long and it's like, I, I'm not as, as strong as like strong willed as them, you know, because I don't know. And it's not to say they never will. That's a thing too. I guess that's what we should say. Also, you can still break in after 20 years of trying. You a hundred percent can. Absolutely. You can. <laughs> it has happened. It has happened. Um, I guess I'm just too much of like a, a pessimist to because for me, it's just like it does come to a point where it's like, well, now it's the potential like um, that you could have been doing something else and earning money at something else. Does that make sense? And like yeah. the time that you've now lost in this. And so it's like, I don't know, for me, I'm just in that space, I guess. And if you're not in that space and this is something that you must do, then it's then something you must do. And again, like, again, it's like, sometimes it's a luxury, right? When you're like, if you're somebody who's like, you have to be bringing in an income for your family, or you don't eat tonight, then obviously you have to move on to something that does make money. Whereas like, if you're a Beverly Hills housewife, sure. Why don't you try your hand at whatever, (laughs) you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. And it's all, yeah, it's all like, you know, 
risk versus reward and and all that and like yeah it is just about how you want to spend your money and time and putting it into something that does, never has guarantees of paying off and also once you've broken in no guarantee of that success continuing and that's the other poisonous thing about yes <laughs> about publishing is that like it you is. Uh, everybody on the outside is like once i'm in i'm in let me tell you from my personal experience no, that's not yeah. how it works. We know people who have gotten agents and never sold. We know people who sold their book and never made money. We know people who have hit the New York Times bestseller list and cannot get a publishing deal. Yeah. Yeah. The road never ends. <laughs> yes. So, well, I feel like this – look, again, for the third time, we're not meaning to be Debbie Down. Yeah, and I and again, I think it's it's I think it is good to have both of us talking about this because, like we said at the beginning, it did work out for me. Yeah, right. Yeah. I was I have been very fortunate, and it has worked out for me, and it does work out for a lot of people. It also mm-hmm. doesn't work out for a lot of people. Yeah. So it's just realism. Realism. Yeah, and so I guess let me tell you guys where I am as somebody who technically hasn't worked out for right. Like maybe that would be helpful. So I, you know, I had my trilogy come out. It did, it was, it did well for what it was, right? It did pretty well for what it was. And I do, I think I'm a pretty good writer, right? Like, I want to just put a caveat in here too, that, um, Caitlin, I almost called you Candace. <laughs> Not my name. Caitlin, Caitlin sold to a digital first publisher. She didn't yeah. get an advance. And that's like our, it's sketchy enough now that our, our agent won't submit to digital first anymore. But when you don't get it advanced, you also don't get a guarantee of marketing. And like we said, marketing is a huge component of a book's success. So I just, I know like you're, she's going to tell her story, but I just want you, Caitlin, and everybody listening to know that Caitlin is a phenomenal writer and it's not her fault that she's sharing this story. <laughs> Um, so, okay. So yeah, I did the thing. I got published and I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep doing this. And then I just couldn't really finish anything. And I, it, a lot of it was burnout. And I think a lot of it was where we were with our life circumstances and the fact that, you know, my, I had three young kids and we moved in that time, like so much stuff, right? Like so many excuses. So much stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so many reasons we'll call them reasons yeah so many reasons that i never really did anything else but i was still always there and i like i did write a full manuscript in 2017 of a book that i then sent to my agent and then she was like oh you fix these things and i'll submit it and i then was like no it's not good <laughs> and so that never went anywhere because of me and my perfectionism right and have written i have written full books you guys and so but i've always i stayed in the writing community i kept that identity as a writer after going through that period of time i talked about where i was like is this even what i want to do anymore and then i was like you know what yes it is and i do have some short stories published and then you know um Mm -hmm. and so i was always kind of just hanging in there and then last year charlie actually sent me a facebook post by somebody else who's in the kind of local writing community looking for writers for an app and i was like I can write things and it is the only skill that I now have um, aside from sewing and sewing is not paying me enough to pay all of the bills that I would like it to pay. It's paying me. Okay. Not enough. So I saw this opportunity and I'm like, well, it's not what I wanted because obviously what I wanted was to be where Charlie is, right? To be where her friend Trisha is. I wanted to be supporting myself as an author of my own stories. Um, But this person was like, yeah, this job is adapting romance novels for an app and you get, you know, you get actual guaranteed pay. 
And I was like, okay, sounds great. And so I started doing that. And here's a funny story. I've written three books in the last nine months. Like, so for me, it's definitely more of a, I must report to authority or else I won't do it kind of thing. (laughs) Um, So yeah, and I am not burned out like I was last time. I don't know why, maybe because I'm looking at it as more of a nine to five type thing. You know, I'm looking at it as more of work instead of Mm -hmm. art that I am creating. But that is where I am. And now because I have kind of like strengthened my brain muscles into being able to write a lot, um, I am going I'm look tentatively going back to potentially possibly drafting something of my own because I have a little bit of time. I have like a month or so away from this job and I'm like, oh, well, guess what I have done and, you know, I've written full novels in a month now. Like, so I can maybe just fast draft something of my own. That's where I am. Like I and I don't consider myself a failure. Like I'm not unhappy. I know that a lot of it has to do with like my special uh, brain <laughs> chemistry that doesn't, you know, that like, I don't know. Look, I've never been diagnosed with anything, <laughs> but do I have something? Who knows? So I didn't get to where my initial goals were, which was to support myself in very high style as an author. But I'm not unhappy. And it's because I kind of, I guess it's because I've like allowed myself, allowed my dreams to shift. And, and when I do publish again, I don't know at this point if I still want to traditionally publish or if I'm more into the idea of self-publishing because um, I am going to be doing some contemporary romances. And so those do really well self-published. So I don't actually know what I want exactly, but I'm like pretty chill to just kind of drift along and see if I do write the books first of all, and then figure it out. So that's, I just wanted to share that with you guys so that you could kind of see different ways your path could go, right? Everybody's brain is different, you know, and and understanding how your brain works and how you f- feel fulfilled. <laughs> <laughs> um, like identifying like the, your love language to yourself, we'll say, will help you be uh, more happy about this. And again, if you want to hear about our journeys in more specifics, our very first episode, we talk about our publishing journeys. So I'm not like we have Caitlin's side. Um, I have my side too, but I'm not going to recount yeah. it here. Go to our very first episode and I say exactly how it worked out for me. For me, it was more that's less of my publishing journey and just more of my life journey. So that was a... Yeah. So if you want the specifics of Caitlin's publishing journey, episode one, yeah. season one. So... Are you ready for my pun? Oh, I'm so ready, Charlie. So next week, we're actually having a guest. Um, Robin Thick is coming on, and it'll be Your Mom Twerks Hard Enough. Oh my gosh. Get out of here. <laughs> <sighs> if you guys are expecting Robin Thick here, then you don't know Charlie, but... <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Charlie. Good one. Thanks. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review on your platform (laughs) of choice. Listen, I've been listening to other podcasts and they always say that. Leave us a five-star review. You can do four. I've never heard it. I've heard it on multiple podcasts. You can leave us four if you want. If you want lower than that, um, maybe writing isn't for you. No. I'm just kidding. No, if you if you enjoyed this podcast or at least highly tolerated it, please um, leave us a review. Spotify does reviews now. Apple does reviews. Um, you can contact us at yourmomwritesbooks at gmail.com. We update every Tuesday. We update every Tuesday. <laughs> um, we're going to talk to you next week or something. Okay. 
Okay. Love ya. Bye. Bye.